0: Welcome to Second Star to the Left, a podcast on everything fantastic, strange, and science fictional. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, joined this week, as always, by... I'm
1: Bert. I'm Katie.
0: And this week we have a special guest, a cosmic castaway, you might say, award-winning author Meredith Russo.
1: Hi,
2: it's me.
0: <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> um,
2: I'm too hot, I'm wearing a tube top, and I'm gonna go get uh, my butt kicked at Samurai Showdown after this, so all together a pretty normal day.
0: Excellent, excellent. Bert and Katie, how y'all doing today?
1: Um... I'm not wearing a tube top, but it is hot and I'll probably play Mar- Mario Maker again in a bit. That's how I'm doing.
3: <laughs> I'm dying. Uh, it's too fucking hot. It like The heat index is already over 100 by 10am every day, so it's cool. It's fine. We're, our planet's dying just, and I'm sweating to death. And I'm too goth for this climate, goddammit.
2: Just a couple of goth southern bells slowly melting. <laughs> <laughs> like In the hellscape we were born into.
1: Hooray! Death is certain. It's all good.
2: Luckily, it's very cold in space, though, which brings us to today's movie.
0: (laughs) Thank you. This week, we're discussing the 2000 Don Bluth animated film, Titan AE.
1: Without a planet, we're no longer a threat. It's me, it's Kale.
0: Humans.
3: Word. Oh.
0: <laughs> the Titan was the key to finding a
1: new homeworld. Your father hid the Titan. He knew the dredge would come after him. The only way to find it is in your hand. Me? The dredge wants you only dead. How do you know they want me dead? No!
0: <laughs> Meredith? as the guest this was your selection i'd love to hear your experience with this film where were you when you came like you first saw it um yeah tell me more about your experience with it
2: so i've always been a big don bluth head um there were two there were two uh vhs tapes that i uh went through that i watched so many times that my mom had to keep buying replacements because i would wear through the tape and one was the little mermaid which for You know, a trans person over the age of 30 Like, naturally Um, And the other was The Land Before Time Which introduced me to Don Bluth And I was a little kid Who loved to draw, who loved art And honestly, if you were a kid Who liked artistry And especially complicated Themes and complicated Aesthetics that Disney wasn't providing Don Bluth was the place to go So, your Land Before Times Your All Dogs Go to Heaven your What was the one about the rock and roll chicken? rock and doodle
0: Right off Rock-a-doodle. the
2: dome, <laughs> exactly. Right off the dome, it came. <laughs> Rock a doodle. Um, I liked I liked Anastasio when it came out because my uh because my politics were not as refined <laughs> as they are <laughs> as they are now. Um, you
3: didn't have good praxis as a child.
2: I didn't have good praxis as a child. As an adult, going back and watching it, clearly, Rasputin should win. Um, so I saw the trailer for Titan A.E. and I was like, oh rad, this looks cool. And then also, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the trailer, they feature one of the scenes where Drew Barrymore's character is, like, in a towel and is, like, a nascent little lesbian. I was like, ooh, <laughs> oh, you can do this in cartoons? Um, and so I went to see it, and I, you know, my, my science fiction exposure up to that point was I'd seen the Star Wars movies, and I had read of all things battlefield earth on a (laughs) on a on a vacation road trip and so the the concepts that titan ae was bringing to the table were very very exciting to me and it stuck in my head as this like and it was like much more mature than i was used to animated things being because i hadn't really gotten into anime that weren't like Dragon Ball or Sailor Moon yet and so it stuck in my head as this like very mature, very cool very thought-provoking movie and then I proceeded to never watch it again for about 20 years yeah. um, and I just re-watched it today and it held
1: up really well, right?
2: it held up so well it's like well. they made it yesterday um, but, you know? it's like a fine cheese it's even better <laughs> Than it, it's even better than it was back then. And I do have botules <laughs> <of that. laughs>
1: Wow
0: Bert and Katie, how about you?
1: I remember when this came out, uh I was fourteen or fifteen. I was I was definitely into butt rock. So I remember <laughs>
0: I remember. If you're into butt rock, this soundtrack slays.
1: <laughs> well, well, specifically the I, I had MTV Two, which back in those days that was a good yeah, that was the edgy one, yeah, on, and yeah, yeah, it was good. And yeah. they they were showing that lit video all the time over my head by lit, and it had like all these crazy sequences from movie. I'm like this this movie looks kick ass, and it's got a really good theme song. I want to see this, and I didn't because I think it was they probably went oh these are the returns, never mind. Let's pull this from theaters and. I didn't have time to, like, uh, well, also, I was 15, so screw you, Mom. I don't need to watch cartoons. So uh, it was kind (laughs) of, like, in that weird area. But I definitely wanted to see it. Um, And then as time went on, I never got to. I definitely confused it with Treasure Planet about 20 times. I don't even think at the time I knew it was a Don Bluth movie. Coming back around, I was like, oh, this is Don Bluth. I want to see this again.
3: I was 16 when this came out. So um or about i don't know something like that i was like 16 i was definitely like you know into the cool teen phase not that i was ever cool but i was definitely trying really hard um and i think i had just gotten my driver's license so i wasn't watching cartoons or i wasn't admitting to watching cartoons i don't think i ever saw it um even with my having a younger brother but i did watch it for the first time end of thought um no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think y'all were cooler as teens than I was. No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) I'm still in my teen phase, so, you know. I
0: was 14 (laughs) and homeschooled, and so this was like... Uh Uh-oh. With my limited exposure to pop culture, first off, lit over my head was a kick-ass rock song that just fucking rocked the house off its shingles, whatever y'all call it.
2: Really quick, I want to judge all of you so badly Um, because I did, I remember not being super into the music from Treasure Planet, but I did get super into that one, that, that one song from Spider-Man, you know, the one, so like, I have no room to judge you, but I have the urge (laughs) to judge (laughs) all of
3: (laughs) you. I mean, not to cut in, but where I grew up, um, I was not listening to rock at all. I believe I was listening to quite a lot of Screw. Because we are screws and Represent. Um, and South Park Mexican, stuff like that. So I don't think I really got into rock until, like, into my 20s. I,
1: okay. I thought you were going to say you were listening to classical music at 16. No, I was
3: listening to, like, mostly Bone Thugs. Um, oh, hell yeah. They
1: so, should have put that in this movie, honestly.
3: <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I think three six I, I so. listened to some, like, really moody stuff, but uh, no one in my neighborhood really did. So, like, I think it was just sort of, like... No, we're all listening to Tupac forever now. Yeah, okay. Hell yeah!
2: But I, I interrupted. Oh. I interrupted Matt. You were 14. Lit, lit, snatched Whole your old school.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, this was uh, pretty hardcore. You know, for <laughs> for a 14 year old old schooler. <laughs> <God>.
1: <laughs> it's not. Ve- it's no, not it's not. Kills. It's not quite. Bob and Larry were not ready to. Ready to they
0: it. were not ready to show me how hard that this could rock.
2: <laughs> they, your your pubescent system was not ready to cope with the idea of Drew Barrymore stepping into a shower in a towel and stepping out fully dressed in seconds. No, later. no, not at all. <laughs>
0: and I think this is um, this was also a film that was a pastiche of so many like space opera elements. And I was just like super into the whole like post apocalyptic save the planet thing in a weird way. And this is—I'll speak positively about the film. This is the first movie I've ever seen, I think, that I can recall rooting for humanity as a species to survive. Like I, I am yeah. into the the plot of this film of we have to survive, and it in a weird way it kind of carries through to today. Like my environmental politics are not driven by a we're destroying the planet, even as much as a. I want humanity to survive and to overcome and to persist throughout the galaxy.
2: Yeah, that's that's valid. The diaspora elements uh, of the story were incredibly surprising, in retrospect, because I, you know, I didn't know the word diaspora when I watched the movie the first time, and now I'm 32, and I do, and that and that element of the narrative really resonated and also like i i I racked my brain to think of another story where humanity gets gets its dick kicked in that hard yeah just right at the very beginning of the story like
0: literally boom
2: (laughs) yeah i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't come up with one just like you know the first five minutes of the movie hey kid i'm ron perlman Uh uh-oh the planet's gone and now you are literally all, what, like, fourth-class citizens in galactic society. Which is
0: another kind of interesting piece, because usually in science fiction, humanity is the best of what's out there in the galaxy, and for humans to be regarded as the losers or the dregs, the third-rate citizens, uh, as you mentioned, the fourth-class you know, people of the, the galaxy, um, that's something that you usually don't see a lot in science fiction.
1: It's kinda on and off in this movie. there is the sense that they don't have their planet anymore and they're outcasts, so everybody else is like, Can you get these this riffraff out of here? But at the same time, like, the way the main character reacts to all oh, that yeah, and the other human characters react is very like He's a very smug white like, guy, yeah. old school star trek type stuff where it's like "Eh, we're humans get out of here screw you you know it's not like
3: very like fallen like king right like oh i just need to get back on my throne like i'm gonna own all y'all like there's like zero humility and like zero lessons learned um by like humanity as general of like maybe we need to like maybe in our hubris we've caused this in some way and we need to be more interconnected no they don't learn that lesson they're like, nah, man. Yeah, like, humans rule, by fuck off." <laughs> yeah, like very clearly to me. Like
2: I don't I don't remember if they specifically address it, but what I always inferred is the Dredge know the basics about humanity and they see humans working on some kind of a super project and they go, "Oh, it's going to be a weapon." Like, "Oh, it's going to be like an awful like, genocide device, we have to stamp these little weirdos out because they know more than three facts about the human species. Well, if you <laughs> think about the end of the film,
0: um, it actually kind of makes the case that the Dredge are being very rational because... To, so at the end of the film, they use the Titan Project to suck the Dredge, the entire Dredge civilization... <laughs>
1: Give him this, they give him this <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. You want to give the actual plot first, like the, whole, the uh, general overall, because a lot of people probably haven't seen it.
0: So, um, in this film, the uh, Kale is the son of a <laughs> scientist. He's got a yeah. lot of iron. He's the son of a scientist who is in charge of the Titan Project, which uh, leads this alien species made entirely of energy to attack and destroy Earth. Kale is thrust out into the galaxy along with every other human where they are treated as dregs of the intergalactic society. Eventually, Kale, as he grows older, is recruited by another human to find the Titan project, which was the last thing that his father did. Um, they find it along the way There's this betrayal and drama, and they save humanity. The end. So the end of the film, the dredge are pure energy. The Titan A.E. harvest them into energy to power itself to create the new future planet earth so yeah. in a way the dredge were reacting to the species what else was humanity going to do they they were ready to already eat the dredge before they started it was a preemptive strike on the behalf of the dredge to not get nuked by humans because humans are like where well, we're also going to get the energy to power up this titan project oh the dredge
2: as far as us deserving it, like, yeah, that's a that's a reasonable conclusion for the Dredge to come to. And, like, all it would have taken is the lead scientist to come to the Dredge and be like, hey, we can charge this thing up with a sun, we'll make a planet for you guys to no big deal we promise it's not a weapon we're even willing to have like galactic supervisors come and visit but we're humans and like in a lot of science fiction the humans are for the most part white americans and so it literally doesn't occur to any of the people involved in this project that they're members of like a galactic society that should <laughs> maybe take these things into account we have the
1: one little kid that plays soccer that's very important it's a weird yeah. i mean it's good but it's weird it's like
2: i i did like how non-white that one colony ship yes. was because i like you know because they're telling this diaspora story which is very specifically in the modern world uh an ethnic story, you know, like East Asian, Latinx, Black, Jewish, and you know, this story is put in the mouth of Matt Damon, right. the the whitest man that Southie ever produced, <laughs> um, and I, I was definitely bristling at that. On top of Drew Barrymore voicing an Asian woman, um, yeah, that would not fly today in twenty
0: nineteen. You're well, right. No, I think that would
3: be Scarlett Johansson.
2: I think the I think the colony ship undid some damage on that front though by just being like, you know, here is here's humanity and all it's splendor and there's just it's just like mostly a ship with
1: We need a scene where Matt Damon goes, "Oh right, minorities." That's very important. <laughs> it did help. I mean, he's
2: on a sh- he's on a ship where he's one of two white people and he goes, "Man, look at all these minorities."
1: <laughs> 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 Pretty much. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, there's also like kind of a weird thing where Humans are weirdly, like, pragmatic so in like, the state. Like, the Bill Pullman character just does turn... I, I don't know if it's just... <laughs> he just turns randomly around. <laughs> like, like oh, right, I'm good it now. No, was... I'm bad. No, wait, now I'm evil. No. Wait, now it's better to be good, because it works out more for me. It's just kind of like... I have no idea. This
2: movie is... This movie is full of tonal whiplash, <laughs> and Bill Pullman's character contributes, like, 30% of it. <laughs> because, like, he doesn't just... You know, it's not just, you know what, dude, like, I'm burned out, like, I'm just selling us out to the dredge so that I can just, like, save my hide and buy, like, a space, like, resort somewhere and just live till I die, whatever. Like, he doesn't seem exhausted, he doesn't seem like a man who regrets anything, just, like, the moment he gets found out, his dickhead circuit (laughs) activates and he goes full board. It kind of works. I
1: I feel like he was secretly... Stringing everybody along and conning them. The, I think it's the second turn that. I mean, it still feels weird, but the second turn feels extra weird. But I
2: mean, the the space kangaroo who I love and who is my <laughs> wife, and the John and the John Leguizamo turtle who Dude. I hate, and I wasn't and I was glad when I thought he was dead. <laughs> um, they'd been serving with him for a while, and like they were surpri- they were surprised when he. Like how long was this man in space pretending to not be a dickhead? Like yeah. the the space kangaro- the the space kangaroo seemed like she was pretty like on it. Like I feel like what, she would have noticed. What was the
1: space kangaroo's name? Just so we don't call her stiff that. Whole episode?
2: stiff. My wife, uh, Mrs. Ru- Mrs. Russo, Mrs. my wife. Russo. So
1: so I did have a note about Goon just because, and this is completely tangential. Uh, we have a character named Goon in this movie who <laughs> one of their first lines is that there are three million keks from Tal-14.
0: For those <laughs> of us that are <laughs> too online.
1: is Bluth, so far ahead of the curve. He's like, this is what you guys get.
2: <laughs> Goon meets Kale for the first time and says, hey Kale, how many st- do you have stairs on your spaceship? See,
1: Just, Whedon should have been cancelled long ago.
0: All the sides are right there. We just Ooh. don't put them together.
2: <laughs> uh, I hate, I hated that turtle, but like I want to talk about because every anim- every animated movie has to have like you know your fun animalistic side characters, right. and I loved who's the the Broadway actor who was the kind of like more fey husband in the bird Nathan page? Lane.
0: Yeah.
2: Nathan Lane voiced you know the sleazy the sleazy lizard man. Loved him. He was great. Had that like kind of toothy snarl that a lot of good Don, non-human yep. Don Bluth characters have. Primo. Loved it. Loved that he was a sleaze. Loved that he was like also articulate. Loved... I, like, I love a woman with gams, and the space kangaroo had like three times as much gam <laughs> as anybody should have. I just, and I liked, like, their dynamic what, The way they played off of each other Like that first interaction on the ship Where she's just, like, kicking the wall And Nathan Lane's character's like Keep on fighting the good fight It was a cool dynamic Um, I wish that they had dragged John Leguizamo into an airlock And jettisoned him Immediately, he was awful I hated I, could, I didn't even know it was How you... for like, It was John I knew it was John Leguizamo before I even checked the credits Because he annoyed me Um <laughs> <laughs> how do how do y'all feel about our scrappy non human sidekicks?
3: Oh. Uh, side note: um, Did you notice that Jim Brewer was also one of the voices? And then did you also have to remember that Jim Brewer exists?
1: Yes.
2: The the pale midwestern comedian was, was
1: Goat Boy in this movie. I don't remember. Oh
2: wait, no, Jim B- Goat yeah. Boy. Yeah. Oh, who no. are you? <laughs> no, Jim I Gaffigan. I was thinking of Jim Gaffigan. I was, yeah, I was <laughs> actually on
0: that one. I think
1: far more popular than Jim Brewer.
0: <laughs> so the cool. captain, Corso, or Kelso? Kelso, I think? Corso. Kelso. Oh, <laughs>
2: Corso. Kelso was yeah, from yeah. that 70s show.
0: Uh, Corso. I think what's interesting about him is he feels, and this is, Tainai feels like a movie that has been, like a ransom note, stapled together and stitched together from like 14 <laughs> other like sci-fi space operas. <laughs> and I, it feels like a little bit like he's a little bit han solo but also they need him to be the villain so they're like okay so he's han solo but villainous and so like that's that's what it feels I mean, like that's why that's why I think he feels inconsistent because they're, they're they're putting together like two archetypes the um, good-hearted rough exterior uh, smuggler with the uh, grizzled veteran who betrays you
1: He's like Benicio. I will
2: say, Han Solo already doesn't know what no means, so it's yeah. not that big of a stretch. He's like Benicio in The Last villain. Jedi.
1: It kind of works. He's not as uh, eccentric, but he's he's very yeah. like, oh, I'm like Han Solo, but I'm actually a dick, but you can't trust anything, so I'm, I'm fine with it. It gets wacky at the end, but he's definitely a... We need somebody to do everything. We need one character so we can put all the tropes in the movie. So, yeah.
2: And... I was wondering if y'all wanted to pivot to talking about that Ransom Note nature because some of it is very clearly intentional, you know, they're making this science fiction, this this science fiction pastiche, this Flash Gordon uh, pastiche, um, but kind of like highlighting different aspects of the Flash Gordon space opera style than George Lucas was. And part of it is also the production history of Titan A.E., which is fascinating. Mm
0: -hmm. You want, share that? you want to share that?
2: Okay. Do you, I? I mean, I just I just talked for a solid thirty seconds. I like to do voice diversity on a on a pod. On a pod, you have to have
1: multiple people. All talking. I really know about the production was the script was shopped around. It was originally going to be live action, and it got rewritten. Joss Whedon was involved. He bit. He bitches Boo. about it today. Screw him. Anyway, it got picked up by Don Bluth, and then it was like. There was another studio involved with all the effects and stuff. So it felt very much like a patchwork thing designed. Yeah, It
2: was it was foisted on Don Bluth, actually. Uh, Sony, like, Anastasia, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone who knows, had been kind of a runaway success. Like, it had made, you know, it hadn't made Disney money, but it had made more money than animated features that aren't Disney movies yep. tend to. Um, they... And Don Bluth and his studio, uh, Sony Sony Pictures Animation, I think it was called, were eagerly awaiting um, a new script or a new set of scripts to sort of shop and choose for their next project. Um, but Sony was as incompetent a studio then as they are now. And they just took Titan AE, which they couldn't think of anything to do with, and dropped it in... Don Bluth slap and was they were like here we don't want this script you do it and it was the only script that they were given. Yeah,
1: I love Don Bluth, but I think of him as more of a fantasy guy. Mm -hmm. Now the things I like in this movie are all fantastical. They ride that fantasy sci-fi line that Star Star Wars does and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) A lot of great fantasy imagery in this movie. I remember that's why I remember being like, oh, that was a Don Bluth movie because it's just. On the surface, it's such a over-the-top, effects-driven sci-fi movie that doesn't really speak to Don Bluth's strengths, in my experience. Um, so it's kind of weird. And this did, as far as I know, this was the last movie Don Bluth really did. Yeah, I lost about $50 million. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, also, the, the marketing and stuff for Don Bluth movies was always, they don't really know how to sell this. Yeah, right? we're, we're not Disney, know, but yeah. we're trying. Aside from Land Before Time and. Uh, five All. Five five American old, Tale. American Tale and Five All Goes West. Right. Uh, got some pretty I good I think because they had, like, Steven um, Spielberg, they were like, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. We have to push this, you know? Well, I think the <laughs> yeah, animation yeah.
0: for me actually is a, a selling point of this film. That's something that I speak highly of. Yeah. There's about five different studios that do, like, the space animation outside. Um, but I think, and this is something about sci fi, I think that it. Is really cool is when I think sci fi sometimes limits itself by being live action in terms of what it can portray. And like, so I think of some of my favorite um sci fi shows, like Farscape, uh, where they really lean into the fantastical by not doing traditional ish effects. And for me, like, live action, like, I love the the Gall planet where they have the uh gaseous balloons. Um, and uh. the sort of spires, you have know, the sense of, like, a lost civilization. That feels very fantastical in sci-fi in a way that not many yeah. movies that you see sort of are. They sort of stick within, like, the narrow realm, like the way that Star Trek does, where it's, like, a different forehead every week. But that's the extent of how far we'll sort of imagine what alien life can look like.
2: Yeah, definitely. I was talking with a friend who... Um, only, only just got into cartoons as she still described them because of BoJack Horseman, <laughs> um, and she was just asking me like, "What is the appeal to you? Why do you watch animation? Why do you like animation?" And the way that I've, the way that I've explained it to her, and the way, the way that I agree with you is, I think animation has uh, a lot uh, shared strengths with, shared strengths with fiction in the sense that it is, it is as easy to visually describe, you know, uh, visually describe Kale in a high-speed aerial chase through a forest of hydrogen trees as it is to describe him, you know, running around in a perfectly normal grassy field. When, when writing, there's you know, it's just a difference of it's a difference of technique. It's not a difference of millions of dollars of special effects, right. um, and so animation allows these much more uh, much more creative and imaginative vistas without having to dump boatloads of money into special effects. Unless you happen to be right at the cusp of the advent of computer generated imagery, in which case that still was the case.
1: Yeah, some of it doesn't look that bad in this movie. Um,
2: pa- parts of it definitely look like an episode of reboot, though.
1: Yes, parts of it. It's mostly like the dread ships. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite parts are, are the the gal plant like the beginning of the gal planet with all the aliens that look like like monks or or not even monks like bats. I don't know. Yeah, they look like bats, but they're like dressed like druids or something. I'm like, this is sick, and it's all like red. It's like the colors and the display of it, and then um everything on the, on the Dredge ship was sick. Like the scope of it, and the size and scale, and the weird—I don't know. I was like, "This is cool." And then the whole ice nebula thing, the ring thing—that was, was like, cool.
0: We, I yeah. love Wrath of Khan too. It's great.
2: The creation, exactly of the, the, the creation of Planet Bob, was a neat effect. I'm,
3: I'm gonna be Bert this episode. I know, I love it because. I watched a lot of Don Bluth as a child, and like that's all I saw in this. It was just like this is this is Rock a Doodle, but in space. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's the same haircut. All of the aliens aren't really aliens; they're just anthropomorphized, like uh, you know, uh, 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 not not a chord. me out here. Um, vertebrates, just regular ass vertebrates that mm-hmm. happen to be bipedal. on uh, most of the time, there was like the one octopus thing, right? But like that was like maybe as close as they were pushing. There was a like, there was to- a bug man. By the way, that's still like he was a cricket. you know terrestrial. He was a
1: giant cricket. Yeah,
3: it was still like terrestrial. Like everything was very much like Yeah. Oh, here are these bats, but they could fly.
1: They're mostly this- just animals from Earth. Yeah, it's just
3: animals. And like and because that was basically what a lot of like you know, um, all dogs go to heaven and what rock a looked like. is just all this stuff. I'm like, I've, and it's the same fucking haircut. Oh, that haircut. Yes. That fucking haircut. So like, that's all I could see. And I couldn't get past that. I'll mm-hmm. be honest. Like I couldn't get past that. At one point, I it was so groan-worthy <laughs> that I did mute it. And I just played Power Man 5000 when Worlds Collide um, on repeat so that it felt like at least a cool looking music video and yeah. I didn't have to hear them talk.
2: No, I,
0: that that was a good choice, though, to at least like continue to immerse yourself in the thematic. essence of the film. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I feel like with better music. Yes, part, <laughs> of, <laughs> part of me does feel like we're being charitable to the experience. Like if I'm oh, be- yeah. if I'm being brutally honest, um, there are a lot of just like kind of unforgivably sloppy animating mistakes. Just like scenes where like three different sets of characters are lit differently under like the same lighting scenes where like really sloppy rotoscoping is used Mm. (laughs) all of the voice actors are phoning it in and mumbling i think the i think the editor was some sort of rube goldberg machine um (laughs) some sort of contraption (laughs) that just randomly snipped film Weird. I don't. I don't want you to think I'm. I don't want you to think I'm a chump who's got the Don Bluth wool over my eyes. This no. Is a-
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> Did anything ever happen to Tone Loke's character? Did he just die?
1: I assume so. Cool. Oh, the Great.
2: the Caterpillar Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, he's living in a farm up space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he made it out.
2: Yeah, he's living in a farm up space. He's got lots of fresh air and lots of grubs to eat. Um we will not be visiting him <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh I mean okay, so the that's something I'll kind of get into is my my reaction to this. The movie's obviously really tacky it's badly made in a lot of different ways it's just uh, the 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 million different elements don't come together right it's not cohesive it though. almost
0: reminds me of like a 12 year old making a casserole and they just pick all their favorite ingredients regardless of how those ingredients blend together but like, i love yeah. sprinkles i love garlic um i love tomatoes <laughs> oh those right. are great and yes. turkey i love turkey on my sandwiches so i'm gonna put some turkey in there too
1: yes this was also i feel like a kind of money-driven venture like i mean anastasia and, and this both feel like towards the end of the don blue thing like we gotta we gotta make we got to beat Disney. Like, it's not just like we got to make the charming little movies. And I feel like if, if they would have continued, it would have gotten more and more in that vein. Well,
2: and this is also, I don't know if you remember, um, but The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Aladdin. Yeah. You know, the, fir- the first three movies of the Disney Renaissance. Um, the only prominent celebrity in all three of those movies was Robin Williams and it was in the third one and it was around the mid nineties to the late nineties that animation studios figured out. And I'm really cribbing from Lindsay Ellis here. Um, I'm, I'm borrowing, I'm borrowing from her work.
0: At least Um, society that's good.
2: Yeah. You can, she's got a video about it. If you're curious about the history of, uh, of shilling, uh, famous actors to, get more name recognition for a subpar animated feature, you can watch her video, but the late 90s is when that started happening. Um, And part of me doesn't want, part of me wonders if part of the problem with this movie might have been that a lot of their editing and animation and and the other budgets that you need for an animated feature didn't go straight into Matt Damon and uh, Drew Barrymore and the forgettable man from Independence Day's pockets. I mean, it is
0: a very much a complete 90s cast of like who's who, like Drew Barrymore and Matt Damon at the height of their powers um, as figures.
1: <laughs> How much money went into Lit's pockets specifically? You know, or the urge?
0: Uh, two six packs after the show, so.
1: <laughs> they got one bowl of only green MMs. <laughs> um. Yeah, a lot of my brain was like you should not like this movie because it's so ridiculous yep. and and doesn't work. But uh, but there's something there okay, there's some kind of charm to Don Bluth that is just like inherent in the, I I feel like I'm I was I was bought over the same way Disney fans are bought over and I hate Disney a lot if you haven't figured it out. I'm from Florida, I'm allowed. I just I can't help myself. I see like Don Bluth stuff and it just makes me feel like like a kid who's watching something I shouldn't be watching because there's, like, neck snapping and boner jokes. Um, <laughs> a lot! Of both! Yeah,
0: This is a very thirsty movie.
1: <laughs> Weirdly, the movie it if- most reminds me of, which I did see in theaters, is Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, which uh, was, like, nobody saw it. it was I, saw like, I did! Oh, oh I saw I it. I saw it. You know what I mean. Like, it did no buys. Uh, and it... Bankrupted Square Studios and it was all technological wackiness that probably doesn't hold up. But yet I watched, I was like, this is kinda cool, I kinda like it. It's charming in that yeah. it's so earnest and yeah. Also James Woods
2: got typecast as a dickhead, so That's good. He deserved it. Or wait, it. was he he was the bad military man in Spirits Within, or was he Sid?
1: I don't know. Who can say? All I remember is Steve Buscemi was in it. That's all I remember. Yeah.
3: You'd think that I would like this movie more because of its thirst, um, but it wasn't executed in a way that was delightful. It was really off-putting and creepy.
1: Kale's thirst is pretty fucking No, all of it. Like,
3: Preed's character, like, that's weird. How, like, all of the aliens are horny for, like, the one, you know, Asian lady. I was just like, oh, my God, this is just an analogy for being online. Um, (laughs) And... Like, oh, like, and just like this, just like, why does the kangaroo lady have titties? What sexual dimorphism has made this giant gam lady have titties? I don't understand. Like, just none of it made sense. And I just got really, like, increasingly mad at the film. Yeah, so. and I think,
2: so I've got, somebody got mad at me recently after I watched Us. And I liked Us, but I left the theater thinking, and I, I don't think this will be too big of a spoiler, but I left the theater... Thinking through just the ecological logistics of supporting a population of people living in the place where the people in us were living, um, and just like not being able to get it out of my head in a way that like none of the theoretical problems of like what's going on in Get Out bothered me, and my friend was, and the friend that I watched it with was like, "Well, you're just being a nerd. Like, you're just being a nerd. You shouldn't care about these problems." But my theory is. You know, yes, especially if you're watching science fiction or fantasy, suspension of disbelief is important but if, unless you're that kind of person like unless you're a cinema sinsman which neither of us are if you start asking those questions, it's because the movie is not doing a good enough job of marshalling your attention and pointing it in the directions it wants it to go and like maintaining flow and keeping attention if that makes sense like the fact that we're wondering about space kangaroo anatomy when you know we can watch star wars and the fact that minox fly around in space as adults probably never really bothers anyone on this call like the difference there is that star wars masterfully holds on to the viewer's attention yeah. um whereas titan ae is so bizarrely edited that it's kind of like slippery and difficult for a human attention span to latch onto.
1: Yeah, no derision for your point, but I will say that I really enjoy the idea of you in the theater for E standing up and going, "Why does the kangaroo have titties?" Like, <laughs>
3: uh, well, I was pretending to be too cool to watch this sort of thing in the exactly. theater when I was sixteen, because <laughs> I was trying to find an empty theater to give my boyfriend a hand job. Oh, Thank you, valid. Sure. Valid.
0: <laughs> Valid. Um, oh, wait, the, Mom wait, wait, and Dad, said, don't
3: watch this episode wait, or don't listen to this episode. I, Mom you
0: say the tiny theater wasn't empty? Ew. <laughs> God. If there
3: was like the possibility of children, like come on. No, that's like, fair.
0: No. Okay. It's yeah. Okay.
3: No, abs- absolutely not. Um, I I did I did some heavy making out
2: in Corpse Bride, but to be fair, it was near the end of its theatrical run, and there were no kids in the theater. Um, but you can have you can have hot hot late teen makeouts and um, and animation experiences. You just have to have no shame or
3: impulse control. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like I guess I know that you know cartoons can do a good job of of sci fi, and that's like really unfair of me to like hold. Don Bluth accountable to, like, the same standards and, like, be able to have, like, maybe discussions on gender, like, why is there still a binary in space? Don't get it. Why is there, again, titties. Um, I just, a lot of it just is frustrating when you could have easily have just, like, skimmed over like, all of this, but it, um, especially the discovery, like, I think I started watching Akira I think probably the next year, and um, you know then it was Ghost in the Shell and you know, so i was exposed to like okay cartoons that are like were i guess mature can can do a really good job of portraying science fiction even if ghost in the shell was essentially a rip off of blade runner but the anime with more titties um, but but, <laughs> but, like, <we'll laughs> with more titties but with I...
2: more titties and fewer slaves shot in the back while we're expected to sympathize with the man who shot the slave uh, realizing that that's a bad thing to do. So I think Ghost in the Shell wins this one.
3: <laughs> but, so that's also sort of why. It's like, I just don't have that affection for Don Bluth, and I also never really liked Disney. Not to be like that person, but I never liked Disney. Same. <laughs> so, um...
0: But I think you raise a point, you know, talk about like, um, Akira and like, this, in the sense of like, you know, having watched Akira, like, it's um, it handles quote-unquote mature topics, In a mature way, like I think of like that scene where like they like assault the young woman and sort of like rip off her clothes. It's not sexualized in the way that like this does feel pervy. Like when it comes like Mm -hmm. the sexuality, and so I think like it's very easy sometimes as Americans to sort of like make up this like mature thing, and that's just like like um, an empty signifier for anything that has to do with sex or sexuality.
2: The Grand Theft Auto video games are labeled as mature, and yet they are some of the really most mature. immature games that you could possibly yeah. play.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> One of the top Google searches for this movie is, is Titan AE an anime? A lot of people <laughs> yes, think so. it In is. In the same vein that King of the Hill is also an anime. Oh, yes. I do feel like the reinforcement of the gender binary thing, I feel like the pulpier or more fantasy sci fi it gets, which usually I feel like is more on the pulp B side. The more that seems to get reinforced. Like if I watch Star Wars, it's very clear, like, okay, there's there's men and women, even among the weird aliens. And then like if I watch like Star Trek, it's usually a bit more like like later Star Trek. It's like, eh, things they, have they sex least, with things. You know? They they
3: tackle that I think a little bit more, even if they're still working within like a binary, it's not mm. Done in such like a reinforced way that we that we would expect, you yeah. know, like oh, boobs equals fem. Yeah, right. they'll, they'll they'll dick slip. jokes equals mask. Like it's right. Like- right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it was nasty. They lingered on Matt Damon's animated butt for so
3: long. Oh, I know, I know. I was like, I oh, was I don't like, like this. Don't and they made a probe joke, and then I was like,
2: I, uh, I'm very curious about something. I would like uh, if if you. If you enjoy kitsch, um give me give me a hoot or some kind of a vocal
1: signal. Woo Define define kitsch. Like I mean come on. Just you mean like uh, tacky stuff or Yeah, camp- things,
2: that, things that are tacky or done poorly
1: but in I'm a, from the
0: mid- Midwest, I cannot not love kitsch. You'll
1: you'll get a like an eighty percent woo out of me. Okay. Not a not a full Ric Flair woo, just like a kinda <laughs>
2: you know. So Katie seems to love kitsch the most like that was the fastest response and yet this kind of objectively tacky clumsily done and yet still incredibly earnest movie um got a really heavy fart sound and a thumbs down from you (laughs) um what what about what about this movie didn't trigger your your kitsch circuits
3: so i like kitsch when it is like 3d but not animated and like you know, on my wall or table because mm-hmm. most of the kitschy stuff that I have was actually plundered from some sort of cursed surrounding. So that's like what a lot of the kitsch that I like is, It's because they're cursed objects that found I keep kitsch. around my apartment. Yeah. So in that case, I really like it. This was like cursed, but it was like a curse that like was thrust upon me. Um, <laughs> instead of the <laughs> one that I found looting fallout, um, even though Ron Perlman was there, like, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. I, I couldn't get over just how, like, clumsily it was done, how hard it was to pay attention. Like, the weird cat carving I have where its eyes follow you because they're too human. That keeps everyone's attention. (laughs) Uncomfortably so. Um, I have, I could tell you that story at some other point. It's actually a very good story. Uh, But, like, that keeps everyone's attention. And an uneasy attention, but it's still there. Yeah. Whereas this one, it was, again, like, I just kept wanting to be like, I'm going to mute it and listen to Power Man 5000
1: over it. It's a it. Patreon-exclusive story, folks. <laughs> 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 Keep listening.
2: The the last star on the left promise is that if you make all three of them gajillionaires through Patreon, they will never do an interview with a Coke-funded magazine where they make awful transphobic no, jokes. No, yep, yep, no.
0: Don't talk about those from us. oh also i think i'll i'll speak for Bert and i as balding men but i think our haircuts are also dope too so
2: yeah um i wanted to circle back to the the gender binary stuff just because i guess i think it's i am i am surprised by myself that that idea didn't occur to me that like why does this kangaroo have titties etc and i think well, because
3: just, you you're like that's your wife i understand she is my wife
2: <laughs> she she is to quote a poet laureate borat my wife
1: <laughs> <laughs> um
2: but i think it's also you know that there's that one uh, onion article local feminist sets aside beliefs for 30 minutes so she can finally enjoy some goddamn tv for once yes um, yes i think uh, years and years ago probably around the time I started transitioning um, I just trained myself whenever I was watching fantasy or science fiction to go like oh yeah probably like 1-5% to of the people in this setting have just like used magic or like some kind of a device to transition or nobody makes a big deal about it because it's the future whatever and then I just like proceed with that little headcanon in my head so I don't have to think about it and get stressed out but no- you know what <laughs> that does suck there are so many exciting genders one could have in space. Like, where are my races of bug people with a hundred different genders and I'm accidentally inventing Homestuck right now, but I'm so <laughs> mad that I don't even care.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the only way it would be, it would be more of a like obvious... Annoying thing is if she had like a big giant alien ribbon on her head to designate that she's female. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I, like,
2: I did like that she was butch. You know, yeah,
1: like that's true. The the bad dude, the Nathan Lane dude. Yeah, he's, he's rocking like Bruce Willis's Fifth Element gear. Like he's got the tank top and, and- the weird kind of webbing and stuff.
2: And yet he sounds like Nathan Lane and wiggles his hips everywhere he goes. Like the
0: He's such to the film.
3: So, does that mean that the space kangaroo wife
0: <laughs> That's the wife.
3: Produces the like they have to have like right like an end, like an endothermic. They
2: got to be mammals. I, yeah. I think she has right. two, she has two patches. She has two pouches. I think that's what it is.
3: So, but but the titties, that means that you <laughs> have to nurse. Those
2: are pouches.
3: No, Those are pouches. She's, oh, got okay. ba-
2: she's got babies with her the whole time.
3: I just now am emerging. She, okay, well, my, she, my fucking trypophobia is now like ah, <laughs> like she's just babies emerging from like gaping nipple holes. So <laughs> well, she's, I'm gonna go fucking talk.
2: She's an awful irresponsible mother. But <laughs> Titan
1: A.E. Ghost written by David Cronenberg.
2: <laughs> Ghost written by every every fifth person on TV and art.
3: Oh Christ! What have I done to myself? Sorry. Probably this should just be edited out because no. I've cursed us all.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. This gets this gets slightly louder than the entire rest of the episode.
2: <laughs> you can put some wobbles or some bass
1: boosts Yeah. On can it. you put Can you put a ring behind this, please? <laughs> There's, I mean, the gender stuff, I, I think once once they got the boner joke in there, I was like, okay, this is what I'm in for. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've made my bed. Um,
3: strap in.
1: Yeah, like, it's gonna happen. Go. Now, something really weird that I have a note on is, so the whole movie is thirsty and horny. And then at the very end, there's there's multiple, oh, are they gonna kiss scenes? And at the very end, they're, I'm like, oh, they're gonna kiss. And then they don't kiss.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Fuck headies. Fuck every heady who thought they were going to kiss. Eat shit. Go home. My other... (laughs) uh, Like, I still... I love Pacific Rim for a bunch of other reasons. But the main thing I love Pacific Rim for is... Spoiler alert. At the end of the movie, they don't fucking kiss. They're just good bros who are in the
1: water. I love it. I love it. I'm fine with it when it's just like... No, they're not, they don't like each other that way. But in this movie, they clearly do. They're like, they're like, okay, we are going to kiss now. And then, like, the spaceship flies and it's like, hey, fuckers, you're not allowed. And then they zoom (laughs) off. (laughs) That makes it even
2: better. That makes it even better. Um, (laughs) Nobody kisses, no, okay, you know that. No kissing. You know that town of, like, Hell, Indiana, that that one uh, hero got elected mayor, and he said no heterosexuals in gay Indiana. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then they impeached him and then last month he bought gay indiana <laughs> he changed its name to gay hell indiana <laughs> and this he said rules. that the only flags that are allowed are pride flags on planet bob no no head kissing ever it's the future we've got test tube babies Like uh,
1: mayor of gay hell indiana if you listen to this podcast please we will have you on the show we would love to have you you get to pick your movie Oh well, yeah. It doesn't matter. Just pick whatever you want. Doesn't whatever. even have to be sci-fi. We don't no. care. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a movie. <laughs> we'll just watch sure. like an episode of King of the Hill if you want. That's fine.
2: It could be a particularly fire mixtape. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: So um, I want to ask you all, what movie that Taeye was derivative of that you enjoyed? <laughs> that you thought the most, like, I want to be watching this movie, not Titan A.E. Oh,
1: okay. So, like, as a selection from the movies that it's derivative yes, of? Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. I had to get there. It took me a little bit. I, got, I so,
1: thought uh, you uh, were going to be like, yeah. which movie do you think this is derivative of? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> so, wait,
2: movies, movies that c- came after Titan A.E. that are derived f- kind of from
1: it, generally? Actually,
0: actually or, b- or, before, what was an influence on this movie that you saw Titan E and you are like, man, I wish I was watching that movie? okay
1: Das boot <laughs> see normal 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 sci-fi nerds are like the wrath of khan it's a submarine movie. i'm like no i want i want the three hour long ass boring submarine movie
0: <laughs> i think i wanted to see star wars that was just like walking away from this i'm like this is star wars without the jedi
1: all of the star wars
0: no just the first one okay 1977
1: uh, uh phantom menace I'm just gonna keep doing this to you. you. You're not gonna get away with it. No, I got you. Katie
0: speaking. Thank you. <laughs>
1: uh, um,
3: because of, of Preed's outfit, I wanted to be watching The Fifth Element again for the style.
0: Mm.
2: Mm, Fifth Element is very good. You know what? I'm gonna say the I'm gonna say the Ten Commandments because if you're gonna tell a diaspora story about. A people about a people finding their homeland like let's just do it like come on come on <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well then- planet
2: planet Bob is Israel and it's <laughs> and <Whoa>. it's <laughs> Planet Bob is Israel and it's propaganda because it's an imagined <laughs> Israel that doesn't have any natives no, I will not take my tinfoil hat on you can't drag me out of the studio I won't be treated
1: <laughs> Holy like shit. This. Well, this is now a special two-hour episode of Second Start of the Left. <laughs> Holy crap!
0: Well, uh, Meredith, you mentioned you know things that it kind of came afterwards. Do you see Titan A.E. influencing other films that sort of happened later on afterwards?
2: Wait, no. I want to change my answer. Edit out everything that I said because I <laughs> I just remembered that Cowboy Bebop came out in Japan before Titan A.E. came oh. out in America, and Cowboy Bebop is Much better, you know, sci-fi kind of sci-fi western space opera melange than *Titan A.E.* is, and it's a TV show, but whatever. I'm famous; Mm. you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) Touche. But things that came after,
0: uh... I think that you can see uh, a lot of the uh, fingerprints of Joss Whedon in, like *Firefly*, like the sort of like (laughs) sense of like the ship and the crew...
1: And the snarkiness. Yeah, like, like
0: Corso is very much a precursor to Mal Reynolds.
2: Did Treasure Planet come out before or after this?
0: Two years after.
2: Um, mm, uh, somebody watched Titan A.E. and thought, wow, we can do this better. Good idea. Um, I think
0: Treasure Planet is to Titan A.E. as Deep Space Nine is to Babylon 5.
1: Yeah. I wish I got that. Are those the same? No. (laughs) <laughs> well they did okay so listen if you, you can't see them,
0: i'm putting i'm pushing up my glasses right now i've seen
1: uh,
2: <laughs> I've, I've seen deep space nine you know like i i know some of the memes like it's a fake you know that yes. was, i think
1: what you mean is because babylon 5 had a number in it and then deep space nine was like we're, we're gonna also they were
0: both number. very similar concepts to tv shows
1: okay. but one was just yeah. executed way
0: better yes i in my opinion Babylon 5 fans will come for me for this, but I think Deep Space Nine is the superior uh, space station 90s TV show.
2: I'm going to be honest, I love Kangaroo Wife, but Admiral Cat Wife from Treasure Planet is a better wife than Kangaroo Wife. I feel
1: like we have to make that the wife for this episode then. Oh, yeah,
3: it was going to be Meredith's wife. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is there. There's a theme. Yeah, we got a theme going.
1: It's the What Wife is This Movie segment? So yeah. this is the Kangaroo Wife movie
3: yeah. uh, I think I said everything That I wanted to eviscerate This movie about
1: so. We barely talked about the butt rock
3: Oh, t- You're the biggest music
2: nerd In I the did, room I did maybe. discover
1: that I Kind of am into Luscious Jackson Quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty
2: Is that the one that sounded like 311 with the serial number filed off
1: <laughs> It's just the- thir- 31 uh,
2: <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the nebula you know the nebula chase where like no the space wind. that's yeah. the
1: urge that song is woof no thank you <laughs> no it's the one at the end um who i think the urge i think i looked this up somebody was like where are the urge now it's like i think they're on the weezer cruise like permanently <laughs> oh uh no it was at the end it was like the second song into the credits and i'm like oh, the female singer and i'm like yeah this is late 90s excellent stuff
2: did you watch oh. the whole? Did you watch the whole credits? Because I'm looking at Luscious Jackson now, and the I, I would go to these girls'
1: show now.
2: I wanted to make sure
1: there wasn't a stinger scene for Titan A.E. <laughs> to well, Titan A.E. cinematic Titan a- universe. Titan A.E. Yeah. Uh, no. Or at the very end, they'd be like, "Thanks to Walt Disney and get fucked." That would be cool, but no, nothing happened. It was just Luscious Jackson being cool.
0: You
2: know, next decade we're probably going to see Ott's fashion come back. Who's excited? God. I do <laughs> have to excited? see. I
1: I do have to say Akima's head was very strange, like she had like a football head. on the And side. it's
2: yeah, and it's just from an animation perspective, um, like one of the strengths that Don Bluth's work brings to the table um, is he's very good at kind of like fluid motion and yeah. like stretching and warp frames, um, but. In this movie, they, they had a hard time keeping the human characters on model. Um, yeah, like, the
1: aliens seem better.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, they they don't look as human, so I think that, like, flaws in the locations of the parts of their face maybe don't right register our, uh-oh, it's an android. Uh, <laughs> the Uncanny Valley. System. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean...
2: What's your... What's butt rock experience advice. like do you have
1: oh okay so
2: do you have any how did I'm, it feel i'm to more
1: of the wussy rock? i'm more of the wussy alt rock at this stage especially i was the wussy alternative
0: like finger 11
1: no
2: that
1: well like eve six like finger 11 was after this point eve six it's is kind of more punky but uh like no you you're not thinking uh pathetic enough like like bare naked ladies i was huge <gasps> on oh uh, no. tonic i was big on if you yeah this tonic. Is the Bernard naked ladies do. is too
0: soft for this movie duncan chic
1: you know that kind oh my of god stuff. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god <laughs> you were a
2: soft boy
1: yeah exactly this wasn't see this would have been a little bit but but it's at this point i was probably like uh out of my limp biscuit phase so this would have been <laughs> it would have been like oh no this is a bit much for me the lit this is, I could deal with. This, it,
0: this movie put me on trajectory to have a studded bracelet in high school. Like, one of those, like, Hot Topic studded bracelets for I'm sure. I'm pretty e positive I
1: was, I was, like, listening to Dashboard Confessional at this point. Yeah. Um,
0: that was later. That was after I stopped styling my hair with colored glue. <laughs> no. <What?
2: laughs>
0: the early 2000s, y'all, was a very dark time. So it definitely was No,
3: it was. It was. I... I hope no one can find those pictures from me I, around like 2002.
2: See, I have com- I have complicated feelings because I was kind of a grunge twink at the time, and I'm, I'm kind of proud of those. But I also wasn't wearing Jinkos; I was just wearing like T-shirts I found at the at the Goodwill. Um, oh but oh I sy- I sympathize with all of you because I because I had a lot of friends who wore Jinkos and made those fashion choices.
3: I had Jinkos, yeah. yeah. Um, I had so many fashion mistakes.
2: If, but, yeah.
1: if you want to hear the worst fashion mistake of that period for me, was I had a Fubu shirt, if you can believe it.
2: Yikes! <laughs> if <laughs> if Drew Barrymore's character were real, like if you dropped her into the year two thousand, she would have immediately put on a tank top that said "Boys are dumb, throw rocks at them," and a pair of jenkas.
1: Can't sleep, like clowns that. will eat me. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I Fuck.
1: She
2: would go to sober raves.
1: Yes. <laughs> they had those? Oh, oh yeah. buddy.
2: Oh, yeah. And they were lame because everyone was sober. <laughs> I mean, sobriety is not you're inherently talking,
1: lame. You're talking to the guy who is always lame and always sober. So there you go.
2: Sobriety is not inherently lame, but a sober rave is inherently lame. <laughs>
0: Would you recommend this film to other viewers that are listeners of the <laughs> podcast?
2: Oh, I think it's a tremendously worthwhile uh, piece of kind of the history of the animation renaissance of the 90s and the early aughts, uh, especially of the kind of transitionary period to CG where the, the, the falling angel met the rising ape. In animation, um, if you're interested in Don Bluth's exciting but often tragic career, I think it's worthwhile. Um, it's worthwhile as a trivia piece or a or a, or a history piece, um, as as an entertainment product, as a way to spend your afternoon. I don't know that I would recommend it.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: gosh
0: Uh. I think if you want to be transported to a specific time like Verda said uh, and know your history this is a fine film to do it Um, (laughs) it's not a high quality film but I think it is really interesting to tease apart um, all the different pieces of this just see like why they don't mesh Um, I think it's really something that might be useful for you like are really into world building to to tear apart this movie and sort of understand why it doesn't mesh together or why the pieces don't quite fit
1: Okay, I was kinda hoping Katie would say no in response to that too. Uh yeah. Oh no, so,
3: no, I wasn't saying no kidding. in response. I know, to I, know I just this. thought
1: it would be funny. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so I would say if if you're if you're a young, impressional, burgeoning weirdo, uh in the making, like I would say, uh Harry Potter taught me it was okay to be Wiccan <laughs> And Heath Ledger Ledger Joker taught me it's okay to be twisted, and (laughs) Don Blue taught me it's okay to be weird.
2: Horny. It's not (laughs) okay to be horny.
3: No, it's never okay to be horny. (laughs) No. I'm the poster child for that. Valid. Never be horny.
0: So, uh, thank you very much for listening. Meredith, where can people find more of your work on the internet?
2: On the internet, you can go to my website and there are links where you can buy my books. I also have a bunch of, sh- uh, I also have a bunch of funnily enough, uh, speculative fiction short stories all featuring trans characters that I wrote for Patreon a while back that I've been the- in the process of editing and posting for free on my website under Creative Commons. You can download them, you can edit them, you can post them, you can print them, you can do whatever you want with them because Make the a zine? Yeah, you can make a zine. Property is fake. Um... <laughs> you can also, uh... If you don't want to buy my book through Amazon, which don't tell Bezos, but I wish that you wouldn't, um, both books received wide enough releases that you can probably just go to your local indie bookstore and be able to find some copies, and I personally would prefer um, that you do it that way.
0: They're and also... could you give us those book titles and the website? Yeah,
2: um, the first, well, so my website is, I can't remember the name of my website, hold on. Well, I never go to it, why would I go to it? It's meredithruso.net, because some some Taiwanese company stole my .com out from under me when I forgot to renew it a year and a half ago. (laughs) My first, and yeah, and I'm not gonna pay $200 to get my domain back. And my first, so my first novel was If I Was Your Girl. Um, I do know what the subjunctive is. Uh, I have a degree in writing. Um, it was a stylistic choice. I swear to Christ, if one more man tells me what the <laughs> subjunctive is, I'm going to eat my hands. It, it won the Stonewall for 2016. I've heard it's pretty good. It's, um, right. it's sort It's sort of a, it's sort of a like, what if a John Hughes movie was less racist, set in the Appalachian Mountains, and the main character was like a trans girl. And my most recent novel that came out a couple of months ago is called Birthday, and it is without eating up too much real estate on the pod, it is described as, like, one day meets boyhood again, but, like, better and queer, and it's about kind of a love story between a trans girl and a cis boy in a dying little Rust Belt town, and that's me, that's what I'm about.
0: Cool. Uh, And Twitter?
2: oh my um my professional twitter is mayor underscore squared so at m-e-r underscore s-q-u-a-r-e-d
0: awesome thank you um bert and katie where can we find you all
1: uh i bert am on twitter at refreshing time complaining telling bad jokes whining it's the whole bird experience really you get everything and i also run at space stroll and i'm going to update it this week i swear i'm going to have more space stroll
3: well, Oh, you can find me on twitter at anime weed fart 69 oh my god it's very bad <laughs> it's only horny posts except when i get sad so that's it that's I all you get this.
1: it's excellent um.
2: I used to I used to think that the single greatest username online ever was Boner Honkfarts. <laughs> Honkfarts, <And> con- yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You <laughs> you've take you've taken the throne. Oh, and this header image is very good.
3: Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, I thank you. I try to, to be pleasing or at least waste everyone's time.
0: Uh, uh. you can find me at a very big bear. Uh, mostly complain these days about Nancy Pelosi. Hell yeah. Uh, you can find Alan. us on uh, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Spotify, and iTunes. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at SecondStarCast. Um,
2: I have one question for everyone before we leave. And you don't have to answer it on, on air. You can just kind of mull it over. Um, do you think Kale would have bought Gamer Girl bathwater? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Next week we'll be discussing... The 2004 Guillermo del Toro film Hellboy.